trying to be very careful how I handle the microphone. On Wednesday night, it slipped out of my hands as I was... It's done that before, and it just hit the floor. Well, Wednesday night, it caught on my hand before it hit the floor, and the microphone went that way, and the cord was in my hand. Ripped it right out. Thankfully, we had another one, and uh, so I'm trying to be more careful. We're going to be in John chapter 14. How many of you have ever been reading your Bible and you got convicted about something? Is that all? Let me ask again. You've been reading your Bible, you got convicted about something. You got all uncomfortable in things, you know, and, and that's a good thing. Um, that's one of the things we look for when we read the Bible. But you know, sometimes we read and we just come across something that blesses our heart. I was reading the other day, I came across this and it blessed my heart. It was in Proverbs 28, 25 said, he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. (laughs) Amen. Maybe you want to take that for your life verse. I don't know. John 14, verse 16. We're going down through verse 26. Jesus speaking here. He says, a little while, and you shall not see me. He's speaking to his disciples. A little while, and you shall not see me. And again a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, what is this that he saith unto us? A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again a little while, and ye shall see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he saith a little while? We cannot tell what he saith. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him, and said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said, a little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me? Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is travailed, when she, a woman, when she is travail, hath some sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto ye ask nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the thing cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly the Father. You know, I have read the wrong passage and I thought it was. Did I tell you 14? I went to 16. And I kept thinking this don't look right. Okay, let's go to 16. I'm sorry, 14, verse 16. That's where I got confused. And again, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. I'll I'll set that here in a minute. But he's he's preparing them. 
He says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Notice that's capitalized. That he may abide with you forever. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Who's going to abide with you forever? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. There's coming a day when he will indwell them. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself to us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoke unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Father, bless the preaching of your word. Use it to convict hearts about their need of salvation. Use it to Teach us, again, to rebuke and correct us, to strengthen us, to do whatever is needed and necessary in our hearts as believers. Father, I pray that you would do what I cannot do. I, I can preach to these folks and share with them what you've laid on my heart and shown me, but you've got to take it to the heart. I pray that you would, again, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We could not be what we are. We could not do what we do apart from him. Bless us now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The Christian life is a supernatural life. The Christian life is a life that rises high and above <clears throat> the mortal lives of the unregenerate, the unsaved. The Christian life is one that allows those who are born again to soar like eagles above the landscape of human existence. The Christian life is a life of power, provision, protection, peace, providential leading. All of it coming from the Father bestowed upon his child. But all of it coming by the way of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Thus, we have to understand, we have to realize that all the Christian life is to believers 
can only be possible through the Holy Spirit. We are of necessity dependent upon him. In the text that we've read, when we got the right one, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's really sharing a very intimate time with them. This is the night before his crucifixion. He's got much he has to say to them in preparation. He's just shared the Last Supper. The Bible teaches us that after that he girds himself with a towel and, and, and ties his girdle and, and, and washes his disciples' feet. And then having finished washing their feet, he begins to speak to them about what's going to take place in the next few hours. You see, by the time 24 hours will pass, Jesus will be arrested, beaten and abused, put on trial three times, taken to Calvary, Calvary, crucified and buried in the next 24 hours. He's preparing them. He's preparing them for his betrayal. And he's betraying them for his imminent departure from them. He gives them some last minute instructions. He gives them some words of comfort. But then, in verses 16 and 18, He says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. He makes a promise. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And in verse 26, but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. He gives them a very precious promise here. The promise of the comfort of the Holy Spirit coming to live inside, to live with believers. If you're saved here this morning, you are living in the fulfillment of that promise. The Comforter has come. The Holy Spirit now, today, indwells believers and as such he equips them. He enables them. He enlightens them spiritually to live godly lives. And so we must understand that we then are dependent upon the Holy Spirit. You see, it's a sad but true fact that too many Christians try to live godly lives in their own power. And when that's the case, such believers are doomed to failure, doomed to frustration. Our only hope of living spiritually fulfilling and profitable lives is our dependency upon the Holy Spirit. In Zechariah 4, 6, the Bible tells us, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit save the Lord. God tells us there that what man's might and power cannot do, God's Holy Spirit can and will do. 
You see, I want you to be encouraged this morning. We don't have to be failures as Christians. Too often Christians could be classified, unfortunately, as failures for God. But it's not God's fault. It's our own fault. In order to have success in our Christian lives, we must learn to depend on the Holy Spirit for every aspect of our spiritual life. All we are, all we can be spiritually is dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. This morning, I believe we need to recognize our dependency on him. Number one, we've got to recognize our dependence on the Holy Spirit for our salvation. Go to John 3. Just turn a few pages. Story familiar to most of us. Jesus is talking to a a Pharisee named Nicodemus who comes to him with questions. And Jesus confronts him with his need. He says, you must be born again. In 3.3, Jesus answered, said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Of course, Nicodemus don't understand. He's not thinking about spiritual things. He's thinking physically. This idea of being born again is running through his mind, and he's confused. He says, Nicodemus say unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Jesus answered, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You see, it's only through the work of the Holy Spirit that we come to Christ. The Bible teaches us that in order for a person to come to Christ, he must be drawn by the Father. In Romans chapter 3, we're taught that there is none righteous, no, not one. We're also taught that no man seeketh after God. To put it another way, we don't go looking for him. He comes looking for us. In John 6, 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You see, It's God who makes the first move in our salvation. I want that to sink in. We don't go looking for him. He comes looking for us. We're not righteous and we're not seeking after him. Boy, I remember my own experience. I was not looking for God. But he sure came looking for me. God makes the first move. How's he do that? He convicts us in our heart about our need. How's he do that? 
through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shows us in our heart that we're sinners. You know, when I deal with somebody about being saved, the first thing I deal with is, do you, do you admit that you're a sinner? Most of the time, people will, uh-huh. And sometimes I might say, well, think in your heart about some sin you've committed that makes you a sinner. Every once in a while you run into a strange bird who says, no, I never sinned. I probably don't say it to them, but I'm thinking, you just did, you lied. But in order to get saved, the first thing is we need to realize that I I need to be saved. And the way that happens is through the ministry of the Holy Spirit convicting us and showing us we're sinners before a just and righteous and holy God. He convicts. You see, the truth is this. Admit it or not, to ourselves, we look pretty good. How many times have I asked somebody, if you died right now, you know for sure you're going to heaven? Well, yeah, I think I would. Or maybe they might say, I hope so. I said, well, if you stood before God today, and he said, why should I let you know? What would you say? Oh, many, many times I've heard this. I've been a good person. That's their evaluation of themselves. Once in a while you run into one that would admit, man, I'm a dirty, rotten, vile, wicked sinner, but not very often. I'm a good person. I can't help but wonder, really? If I ask your wife, would she attest to that? How about if I ask your neighbor or your coworker or the people you do business with? See, they think because they don't kick the dog and beat their wife that they're good people. But the fact is, we're all sinners. And we we have to not see us in our eyes, but see us how God sees us. And it's the Holy Spirit that causes that to happen. He convicts us. And he shows us that we need a Savior. Now we go over to Romans 6.23 and we say, well, you know, because you're a sinner, there's a penalty. The wages of sin is death. Explain to them that's eternal separation from God. But the gift of God. A gift is given freely. You can't earn it. Is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. God's made a way and only one way. And now the Holy Spirit has to be dealing with their heart. To believe God's word. Many of them have been schooled in some other religion, some other way. And the Holy Spirit has to convict them. This is the way. And then, of course, we take them to Romans 10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says that we are born again by the Spirit. We read it in John 3, didn't we? Must be born of the water and the Spirit. And if your Bible's correct, there's a capital S there, meaning the Holy Spirit. In John 6, 63, the Bible says, It is the spirit that quickeneth. Quickeneth means makes alive. 
It's the spirit that quickeneth. In Titus 3, 5, it says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy hath saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Apart from the ministry of the Holy Ghost, we cannot have salvation. He's the one who convicts us and draws us of the need to be saved. He brings us to that place where we're ready and willing to receive Christ. Let me just remind you of this. If you're not saved here today, please listen to me. You say, one day I'll get saved. Listen, you don't choose when you get saved. What do you mean? You get saved when the Holy Spirit convicts your heart and you yield to him. God does not guarantee that the Holy Spirit will continue to convict your heart. He says back in the Old Testament, my spirit shall not always strive with a man. Here's what I'm saying, friend. If you're unsaved, and Jesus, Jesus through the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart today, you better make the decision because you may never have another chance. He may never speak to your heart again. He may never convict you and convince you that you need Jesus and you need to come to Jesus today. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. People put it off. Oh, I'll do it another day. And another day never comes. I'll do it next week. I remember one day, people going out the door. There was a teenage girl going out. She'd indicated she wasn't saved. As she went by me, I called her name. I said, want to get saved today? She looked at me. I said, I'll sit down with you and show you how to be saved. She said, no, maybe next week. Since then, I don't ever remember that girl coming to be saved. I don't know if the Holy Spirit's still speaking to her. When he speaks, we better listen. And for those of us who are saved, thank God he speaks to us. He breaks through all those barriers and all the junk of the world and brings the truth home to us. You're lost and on your way to hell. But you can be saved. Hey, you didn't figure that out up here. That's not an intellectual thing. That's a work of the Holy Spirit in a person's heart. Let me say this. When I'm dealing with people out knocking on doors or passing out tracks or whatever, and I get to speak to somebody about salvation, I try to sense, is the Holy Spirit in this? Hmm? Is he convicting their heart? I'm not going to try to argue them into salvation. And I tell people, I'm not here to push you into something you don't want to do. But if I sense the Holy Spirit working, I'm headlong. Hmm? We depend on him for power for salvation. Listen, friend, it's not you, it's him. You say, well, I'm already saved. Well, I'm glad you are, but we also depend on him. Depend on him.
depend on him. Thank you. There we go. Now I'm all the way to the bottom. We don't just depend on him on power to be saved. We depend on him for power for living for God. Here's where I said a lot of Christians are living as failures or defeated Christian lives. And here's why. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same shall bring forth much fruit. But without me, ye can do nothing. In ourselves, we are totally unable to live for Jesus. In ourselves, we can't do it. He says, without me, you can do nothing. Talking in a spiritual sense. To try to live a spiritual life apart from him. It's like for a four-year-old child to try to do algebra. Some of you are a lot more than four years old and you still can't do algebra. What I want you to see is it's an impossibility. We cannot live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Jesus said in John 14 that he would send another comforter. That doesn't mean he, he's going to send one to make you comfortable. No, 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 no. When he says, I'll send you a comforter, he's saying, I'll send you a paraclete, which is one called alongside to help. He has to leave. He's sending the Holy Spirit in his place to be with us. To be his presence in our lives and to empower us. Empower for what? To live the Christian life. He lives within us to equip us, He lives within us to enable us. To live the life that God wants us to live. He says, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another, another comforter. Did you pick up on that? Another comforter. That's interesting because that another means one of the same kind. He's sending one just like him who would comfort us by giving us power, enabling us. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes when you talk to people about being saved, they're unsaved people. And you say to them, wouldn't you like to accept Christ today? You've gone through the the plan of salvation and they've admitted they're a sinner and they're on their way to hell and you say, well, wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to invite Jesus in your heart today and be saved? And boy, you think, yeah, they got it. And they say, no, I don't, I don't think so. If that happens, many times I say, well, what in the world would keep you from not coming to Christ. I just don't believe I could live the Christian life. I've heard that. 
See, one of the problems many times when we're talking to somebody about being saved and coming to Christ is they may have been around some saved people whose lives changed. By the way, when you get saved, your life changes. And they've seen these people from party goers and cussing, smoking, drinking, all kinds of things, people, to being in church, reading the Bible, talking about Jesus. And they see the difference. That's not bad. They see the difference. And now when you talk to them about being saved, they're thinking, I have to be like that. Wait a minute. We don't make ourselves like that. He enables us to be like that. I said the Christian life is a supernatural life. It can only be lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us the power to live for the Lord. He's our source of power. He's the source of our revelation. Jesus says in John 16, 13, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. And He will show you things to come. I know how it is with you. But I rejoice that when I take the word of God and the gospel message to people, I don't ever, ever doubt that it's the truth. When I tell somebody there is only one way to heaven, I don't have any doubt in my mind. I may be talking to a moral, religious person. But I have to tell them there's only one way to heaven and I have all confidence when I say that. Well, I belong to such and such church. I go every day. I pray every day. I do this. I do that. I say... All that don't matter if you don't have Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Oh, I've been criticized. Oh, you Baptists think you have the only way. And when someone says that, I say, oh, no. No, 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 no. It's not that Baptists think they have the only way. We believe the Bible has the only way. So I have confidence. Where did I get that? The Holy Spirit taught me. He teaches me truth. He guides me into truth. You may have had this experience, but I have put the Christian radio on. Maybe I should put that in quotes. Christian. But somebody will be on there preaching and they'll start preaching something that isn't true. It's not right. I can sense it that fast. You say, well, you know the Bible. Listen, even if it's not something I really, really can put my finger on, I know that that's not right. And I'm going to find where in the scriptures it says it's not right. Who does that? Who tells me? There's something wrong. Holy Spirit. He guides me. By the way, he guides my life. When I have decisions to make, I pray, God, guide me. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me, not audibly. But 
He tells me the way is clear. You can go that direction. Or he tells me, ah, uh-uh. I wouldn't go there. The problem with a lot of Christians is he tries to guide, but they don't want to listen. Then they up in a, end up in a mess and they blame God. He convicts us of sin. Thirdly, we need to depend on him for power for overcoming the flesh. In Romans 7, Paul reveals, that, now listen, you can have your opinion. In my opinion, the Apostle Paul was probably the greatest Christian, New Testament Christian to ever live. Read what he went through, what he was able to accomplish. Wrote 13 books of the New Testament as God led him. But you know what Paul says in Romans 7? In essence, he says this. I fight the same battle you fight every day. The flesh against the spirit. Don't you fight that every day? The flesh says, do this or do that, and it's wrong. And the Holy Spirit says, oh, no. No, no, no. But you see, in ourselves, we can't defeat our flesh. That's why, as unsaved people, we do stupid things that are harmful and bad and, and wicked and all those kind of things because our flesh says, if it feels good, do it. Hmm? In reality, for the unsaved person, their flesh runs their life. I'm going to pick on the tobacco folks for a minute here. Back when I was younger, they didn't have studies or anything on smoking. And just about everybody smoked cigarettes. Some of you remember uh, when you went into restaurants and bowling alleys and grocery stores and whatever, they had cigarette machines. And you get together for a family gathering, everybody was smoking cigarettes. Right? Then they did studies and they said, oh, it harms your body. But when they made that study, how many people quit? Not many. Initially, a lot of people say, well, I just don't believe it. And then a lot of them had the attitude, well, it's my body, I'll do what I want. But I'm saying all this to bring this home. We know tobacco causes cancer, lung cancer, oral cancer, cancer of the tongue, cancer of the throat. It's a proven fact. But why do people still smoke cigarettes? Because the flesh says, go ahead, enjoy. Why do people stick a needle in their arm? Why do people snort stuff up their nose that they know is harmful? Because the flesh says, go ahead. See, in ourselves, the f- our flesh runs our lives. But when we get saved, now we have the Holy Spirit. And in Him, we have the power to defeat the flesh. Go to Galatians 5. You want a simple principle for the Christian life? Galatians 5. 
Paul lays it out so clearly. Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But, if ye be led of the Spirit, you're not under law. Verse 25, or 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That walk, Paul's referring to living in the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Your walk is how you live. He says if you will live in the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Your flesh pulls at you all the time to live after it. But if you walk in the Spirit, you won't go that way. Listen, you can't walk two ways at the same time. That's understandable. So I'm either going to walk in the flesh and live according to my flesh, or I'm going to walk in the Spirit who gives me the ability to overcome the flesh. Which way are you walking today? Thank God we're not subject to the power of the flesh and sin anymore. We're not in bondage anymore, Romans 6 teaches us. We've been set free. And now we can walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the desires of the flesh. But we have to make up our mind to yield to Him. If we don't, our flesh is going to run our life. And as a pastor, I have to tell you that I believe there are far too many Christians who are letting their flesh run their life. Well, I've got to hurry. Let me, let me just say this. As a believer, we understand that we're to forsake sin. We're to study the Bible. We're to have a proper prayer life. We're to obey the Bible. We're to be faithful to the church. We're to witness to the lost. On and on I could go. Do you realize the flesh is against all those things. Your flesh don't want you to read the Bible. Your flesh don't want you to pray. Your flesh don't want you to be faithful to church. Your flesh don't want you to witness to the lost. But when we yield to the Holy Spirit, He helps us to overcome that. And to do what God wants us to do. We depend on him for bearing fruit. Spiritual fruit in our life. We're in Galatians. Go over to chapter 5. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Christian 
Is that what the Bible says? It says the fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit that the Spirit produces in the Christian. Hello? And he listened. The fruit that the Spirit will produce in your life if you let Him work in your life is love. Look up here. Love. That's, that's a love for people. That's the ability to love people even though they're people. To love people even though they're people. See, folks come to me and they want to complain about brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. You know, they don't do this and they do this and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes people ask me, how do you put up with And I say, I learned something a long time ago in ministry. I'm going to share it with you. And they're looking for some deep theological. I don't have any of that. But I learned this, and I tell them, you've got to realize people are just people. What do you mean? People are going to disappoint you. People are going to hurt you. People are going to do stupid things. People are going to do things you don't understand. On and on I could go. People do things exactly opposite of the way you do them. That's what makes people people. The point is, even though people are people, we still have to love them. Listen, if you don't have the Holy Spirit working in your heart to help you love people, you're going to get real worn out with people. I'm serious. Because they will wear you out. But see, when you're walking in the Holy Spirit, He helps you to love people even though they're people. Hmm? He lists it here. Chapter 5. Love. Joy. Peace. Long-suffering. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Meekness. Temperance. Against such there is no law. Can I tell you, every one of those things is exactly opposite of what our flesh is. It's produced in us by the Holy Spirit as we yield to him. We don't, we don't work that up. He brings it to us. If you desire the fruit of the Spirit, you, you can't make it on your own, but you yield to Him and He brings it. The peace that passes all understanding. When you're going through the storm and you have the trouble and the strife in your life and the difficulty and the hardship, it says here the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Where do you get that peace? You let the Holy Spirit bring it. You walk in the Spirit 
And as bad as things can get, he gives you peace. Hmm? I can't develop each one of these, but understand, we bear the fruit through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know, in soul winning, it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit we can see anybody saved. It's not us. It's not our great Bible knowledge or oratory or cute stories or whatever. It's Him. I'm going to wrap this up. Everything we are, everything we can accomplish in a spiritual sense depends on the Holy Spirit. Are you depending on Him? Are you walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? You can't walk two ways. You're either walking in the power of the Holy Spirit or you're walking in the power of the flesh. It's a decision you have to make. Which way am I going to walk? I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a minute. The Holy Spirit, God's power in you. I was taught many years ago by Pastor Fedena, and I've seen it's true in the Bible. God will never call you to do or require you to do something he does not enable you to do. To live for him, to overcome the flesh, We must have His power. And it comes through the Holy Spirit. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, nobody's looking but me now, please. How many believers in this room would say, Preacher, I'm not perfect, but I believe I strive to walk in the power and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's my hand. Here's my hand. I believe I do my dead level best to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Put it down. I wonder how many believers here this morning could not raise their hand and you'd say, Preacher, I'm admitting, I'm confessing to God that I'm guilty here. I have not been walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. I've not been allowing him to lead me and guide me. I've not been allowing him to give me the victory over the flesh and sin. And this morning I'm making the decision I'm going to quit walking in the flesh and I'm going to begin striving to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit every day. Here's my hand. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. How about you? How about you? Are you saved today? I don't ever want to just assume everybody's saved. Maybe not saved, and this morning God spoke to your heart and said, Hey, you heard, you heard the preacher. God may never speak to you again. You want to get it settled today. We're happy to help you. You say, I'd like somebody to take the Bible and show me how to be saved. We want to help you. I want to pray for you. Would you do this right now while nobody's looking at me? You say, I want somebody to take the Bible and show me today. Today's the day I need to get saved. Here's my hand. Would you slip it up? I'm not going to embarrass you or call your name. I'll pray for you. Would you slip it up? That's me, preacher. 
gets saved. Let's stand together. God spoke to you. You want to come speak to him at the altar? We give you that opportunity. Father, bless the invitation. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. That you endue us with power. Jesus told his disciples, after you'll receive power, after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now I pray that you would help us as believers to surrender. And live our lives dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, speak to that one who's here without Christ. They'll get saved today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You need to come. Mr. Hunsker is going to play.